everyone and welcome to another episode of the Totus Tuus Show. I'm Father Marius, this is Kathy, and we're delighted to have your company for this show. I don't know if you ever heard of a very interesting figure in the Acts of the Apostles, their friends, called Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee, a doctor of the law, and he's probably most famous for something that happened in the Acts of the Apostles, when after the resurrection of Jesus, a lot of the Pharisees were very upset that this movement, Jesus' movement, was continuing after his death, and there was a lot of talk about this resurrection, etc. And Gamaliel said to them, he said, listen, he said, leave them alone. And if it is not of God, there have been many, many movements that have just come and go. It'll quickly fade away like all the others. But if it is of God, you must be careful because you may be actually fighting God and you're not going to win. So that Gamaliel principle is interesting in terms of our show this evening. Because we want to talk about a four-year-old girl, a girl called Ellen Organ, who has had an extraordinary influence on our lives, I think, Cathy, and other people, many other people's lives. People have named their children after this four-year-old, which doesn't happen too often. Many books written about her, etc. She's better known to so many people as Little Nelly of Holy God. And we're going to tell you this story of her short life um, in this episode and to explain as well maybe the special message that God has for our own time. Will she become a saint? We don't know. But certainly she has a very, very important message, especially in relation to the Holy Eucharist and about Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist at a time when many people have begun to doubt this. So Kathy, tell us a little bit about the, the family life of Ellen, Nor Ellen Organ or Little Nelly. Well, Ellen, Ellen, little Nelly, yeah. and in Ireland, Ellen, Eileen, you were automatically Nelly, right? So she was born in 1903. Her father, William, had been a laborer, but it was hard to get work consistently, and he had a growing family. Before Nelly came along, there were three older siblings, two boys and a girl. Mm -hmm. So he joined the British Army. And his wife, Mary Ahern, both of them from different towns in Waterford. Um, they, so Nellie was actually born in family quarters in an army camp in Waterford, British Army camp. They were a Catholic family. The mother was devout in a time where Irish mothers were devout. But she was, you know, definitely loved the Lord. Yes. The rosary every night. Um, and, you know, just talking to the children about Providence. And this was a family that really relied on Providence. Now, when Nellie was only about one year old, sometime as an infant, she was dropped. Yeah. And it was a serious drop. And only later did they discover that she had injured her back and her spine was twisted. But they didn't know this. They just knew that Nellie was delicate. But her mother then was diagnosed with tuberculosis, which was a great killer in that day. Mm -hmm. And the Irish um, treatment for tuberculosis was sea air. We don't have a lot of sunshine, which mm -hmm. is a better treatment, but yes, sea yeah. air was something, fresh air. We have a lot of that, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we have a lot of that. So William, uh, you know, requested a transfer to what's called Spike Island. Mm -hmm. And it's a little island near Cove where the Titanic went off. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a, a British installation there. 
So they moved there and they lived there about a year, maybe a little over a year. And during that year, Nellie would often get daily mass, you know, with her mother, when her mother was feeling up to it. They, of course, Sunday was a family affair. Uh, again, the rosary carried on in the home. But little Nellie, often the mother in the afternoon to get her fresh air, would take a walk and take her children and they would visit the church. And Irish parents, and a lot of them even to this day, when they they're, when they bring their children to a church, they'll say, "We're going to Holy God's house." Hmm. You know this now. Be quiet. God lives here. And Nellie was three, getting close to four when her mother died, that a terrible winter, and her mother died. And her father tried for a while to manage the four children and his work with the British Army. Neighbors helped, but he couldn't do it. And finally, the suggestion came that the children be placed in an orphanage or in a school in Cork, which was the same diocese then. So the two girls went to the Good Shepherd Convent and the boys went to the brothers and to the Rosmanians. And, um, but when they arrived in Cork, they had whooping cough. So she, I mean, I keep having to remind myself, Kathy, that we're talking about a four-year-old here, you know. A three at this stage. Three at this stage, but four, someone yeah. only lived to be four, four and a half, and yet she had suffered so much even at this stage. You know, you mentioned yeah. about the, the twisted spine that resulted as a result of his fall as an infant, um, and now the whooping cough, and we know she will get have other sicknesses as well at such a young age. But for me, what, what's really interesting is she, she's now in the company of the Good Shepherd, Sisters yeah. in Sunday as well in, in Cork City. And there's a lady looking after her called Mary. Yeah. And Mary gets very close to the and is touched by her, is, you know, is watching this little child who seems to be kind of a little bit of a mystic. And um, she begins to become very fond of Mary too. And she notices, of course, that uh, Mary is going to Mass. And she wants to go down to the church with, with Mary and she is particularly touched by the statues and holy things and the stations of the cross in the church. And I believe she even would say to Mary that the, you know, what I suffer is nothing compared to what Jesus suffered for me. Now, we must remind ourselves again, this is a child of three and a half, four years, very, very young, you know, and yet has this, this profound kind of intuition, this profound knowledge of God. Um, and the things of God. But what becomes really, I suppose, interesting in her life, isn't it, Cathy, is the, this, this amazing kind of understanding she had of the, the Eucharist and, and Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Yeah, no, she, she, the real presence is almost the starting point, the mm. presence of God. And one of the interesting things about Mary is that she was a convert. Okay. And she had recently been very well catechized, so Nellie used to ask her questions, like she was very concerned was little Nellie crowded in, this, in the tabernacle. It, was, it seemed so small and little Nellie was so big and Mary was able to explain to her. But sometimes Mary would find herself asking Nellie questions and Nellie Imagine. would answer yeah. in, in a profound way. Um, but it was really Mary that introduced her to the suffering Jesus. 
you know, it was holy God and His Majesty. But then Mary explained to her about the stations, the suffering, the crucifix. And that from that point, Nellie began to stop ever complaining because she was in terrible pain. She had an, a, a totally infected jaw with caries, which then became uh, tuberculosis and her twisted back. And she would cry, but once she learned about the suffering Jesus, she used to keep a crucifix by her, and she'd say, they'd say, oh, poor Nellie, you know, and she'd say, oh, but Jesus suffered so much. Yeah, she was, she was touched by grace in a, a very, very special way, Kathy, and she would see Jesus as a prisoner in the, in the tabernacle too, <laughs> right? I mean, she, she understood that concept, that the love of God, that he imprisons himself for us so that we can access him, you know, in, in every street corner nearly in, in Ireland. Uh, so it's extraordinary. And then, of course, Bishop O'Callaghan um, comes on the scene, the Bishop of Cork, um, who, of course, the sisters were, were watching Nellie and being told by Mary of all the things that were happening. And he comes and he, he agrees to have her confirmed, right? Yeah. Because she's getting so sick now at this stage. Um, well, and the doctors had said that she isn't going to live. So they decided to that she would receive the the sacrament of confirmation, which was which was amazing. But that wasn't the end of uh, the story with Bishop O'Callaghan, right? I mean, no, no, something much. Well, in much fact, her confirmation was a turning point for her to real heights of sanctity. And she said, "Now I'm a soldier of Christ. Never complained again. Once or twice, when she would be a little impatient, she would then call the the nun or whoever." and profusely apologize and to Holy God and to the nun that she had, you know, done something we wouldn't even consider. <laughs> and um, she really started to advance in holiness, where she even sometimes knew what someone else was suffering who came to visit her. And she would kind of, before they even said anything to her, she would say to them, Holy God is listening to you, or Holy God is going to comfort you. And, um, but her burning desire was for the Eucharist. To receive Jesus, yeah. yeah. And she knew Jesus in another way too, didn't she? Uh, the infant of Prague. Okay. It is said that, you know, Jesus and Mary visited her, but Jesus in a special way that um, the infant of Prague, the statue would start to dance and little yeah. Nelly would even play the, the little tin whistle. And play ball with, you know, his globe, he'd play ball with her. So she was, you know, receiving extraordinary graces and people were beginning to realize this is a very, very special that's young right. girl that's in our midst here and how she's putting up with the suffering, how, you know, she wants to be down in the church the whole time and, and how she has this intimate relationship with the Lord. But the, the main thing people remember her for, of course, is the Eucharist, right? And one of the extraordinary things I think, Kathy, is that she would, when Mary would go to Mass and when other, when the, some of the sisters would go to Mass, she would ask them to come and kiss her, to embrace her, because she wished to adore Jesus that they had That's received. Right. Can you imagine? And she would prepare for that kiss, and after it she would go into a Thanksgiving, almost like a Thanksgiving after communion. It's extraordinary. I remember friends of mine, missionaries, were in Albania a few years ago, and they told me just the fate of the people like outside the churches that were closed, just adoring Jesus outside. We saw that during the lockdown here in Ireland in recent years too, but something that this little young girl 
long to receive Jesus so much and just to be in his presence that she would adore him in another in another person you know it's just amazing amazing and uh, this extraordinary little girl and so she longed to receive Jesus herself so tell us how that all happened well yeah that happened her uh, her confirmation was October 8th hmm. and she began to request Jesus that Jesus oh, when is Jesus going to come to me and it was during those two months where a few of the visits of Jesus to little Nellie came out, you know, where, and to little Nellie this was almost normal. Finally, the nuns really realized, and they were on retreat, and there was a Jesuit there uh, in, in situ, giving the nuns their yearly retreat, and the, a priest appointed by Bishop O'Callaghan both examined her and came to the conclusion that regardless of her age, she was ready. And she received her confession, which she considered very important. In fact, at one point, they thought she was asleep, and Mother Superior said, oh, this is, child's going to go straight to heaven. And she piped up, no. She said, oh, she never did a sin. And she said, yes, I did. I told a lie. So she was very concerned to go to confession first. And the age for receiving Holy Communion at that, that oh, stage? At that time was around 12 years old, you know, yeah. some places it would be 10 or 11, up to 13 When it was considered that you would have understood who it is you are to receive. That's right, a certain maturity was expected. So what she did is, she would not only understand how much, she would prepare, she would ask the nurse, who she called her mother, to not speak to her in the morning before her first communion and ask them to clean the place, like not a speck could be there, everything had to be white. And even all her communions, when, when she was too sick to go to the chapel, to be carried to the chapel, and the priest was going to come to her room, she, you know, oh, I have to have the white gown and the room has to be spotless. And But she would then go, so her first communion, was the first Friday of December. And all who witnessed it were just absolutely, you know, there was no question that this was our Lord and this child understood it. After that, she received 32 more times. They actually knew exactly. Mostly, she was brought to the chapel. Sometimes she was just too weak or too sick. They would come to the room. But, um, Always then she would go into a thanksgiving, which was usually about three hours and sometimes Imagine all day. And she would actually ask them to turn her to the wall. She couldn't even move herself at this stage. She'd ask them to turn her to the wall so she wouldn't be distracted by anything. And she would just be in an ecstasy of love. Another interesting thing too, wasn't it, that this gum disease she had uh, resulted in this kind of dreadful, horrific smell. horrific smell that was coming, but after she received Jesus, there was a you know, smell of kind of perfume, beautiful smell. You never uh, again did it smell. And another, another sign of, you know, what was actually happening. But it just reminds us, doesn't it, Cathy, that the, this extraordinary understanding of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist that she had, I mean, really uh, would, it, would have helped the people around her to grow in their own faith and, and helps us by just discussing it in this program as well. Um, and of course, you know, the, when, when she eventually uh, did die in 1908, um, 
what was extraordinary too, I think, is that this devotion to her grew up. You know, we mentioned this at the beginning of the show. If something isn't of God, it will kind of quickly peter kind of out. die, peter out. But devotion initially began, and people were watching this going, maybe this will this will peter out, but it really hasn't. And we're doing a show in 2022 on this. But people, she was buried in the graveyard of St. Joseph's in Cork City, and throngs of people going and people speaking about favours they had received through Leading her intercession. Crutches. Yeah, as a result of uh, her intercession. And there were so many people coming to her grave that they actually moved the grave to where the sisters are buried beside the convent, the Good Shepherd sisters in Sunday as well. And again, the people started coming and coming and coming to, uh, to ask Little Nelly's intercession for all their various needs. And as we said at the beginning of the show, people began to call their, their own children after Little Nelly. Uh, books began to be written about her. Yeah. And one of the most extraordinary connections is the, the Pius X connection, St. Pius X, who was thinking about lowering the age of Holy Communion from 12 or 13, as you're saying, and he was praying for a sign. And Bishop O'Callaghan, the Bishop of Cork, contacted him about you know receiving some kind of exemption for little Nelly that she could receive it for because she had a profound understanding of Jesus's presence in the Eucharist far greater than our own you know um, as adults and so extraordinary then that Pope Pius the, the tenth saint saw this as the sign and he sent back a little one of his shoes one of the the red shoes um and which the Good Shepherd Sisters have to this day, so it's a relic of, of a saint. Um, but this was the sign he was looking for, and I believe he was also interested in canonizing Litanelli, but he, yeah. but he died. But what's interesting, I think, for us to just think about is, Litanelli is not a saint. Will she be a saint? We don't know, but she has something very important to say to us in this time. And you went up and visited one time, well, Caddy, did you? you? Know, um in the generation before me, there was a, a tradition of doing the rounds, the Little Nelly rounds, and people would go from Little Nelly's grave, which was up on a hill, about a mile the round would be, down to St. Vincent's Church at the bottom of the hill by mm -hmm. the river, and back up again. Now, if you've been to Cork, you'll, for people who've been to Cork, they'll know. And they would pray rosaries, because Little Nelly also had a great devotion to the rosary as do all, did all Irish people. In my generation, Little Nellie was the story that almost every teacher in Catholic school told, you know, during the year of preparation for First Holy Communion. And often groups would come to visit Little Nellie's grave, you know, even from Waterford, from Limerick, you know, a group of school children preparing for First Holy Communion. But it was also a tradition among parents to bring their child that was going to make First Holy Communion to Little Nellie's grave. And you'd knock on the convent door and there would always be a beautiful sister who would answer and would just take you upstairs mm. to Little Nellie's room. And her little bed was there, it was up a winding staircase. Her bed was there, her doll, her little shoes. You know, and everything had a story, the infant to Prague. And I remember doing this for all of my children up to the time that the Good Shepherd Convent was, was you know, closed down. And it was really an incredible experience for the children 
to hear about little Nellie, to see her little toys, you know, it's beautiful. It's amazing, you know, little children really get little Nellie. Any little children that I've spoken to, they're all, oh, little Nellie, and they want to go there. And it's amazing. I mean, all these years later, that's why, you know, I think we decided to make this show because yeah. little Nellie just won't go away. No, she's <laughs> and, our God. And there's so much interest in little Nellie of Holy God. And as I said, so many books have been written and documentaries made and so forth. So, dear friends, what is God saying to us through little Nellie? Well, we believe he's reminding us of his real presence in, in the Eucharist. This extraordinary little girl who has influenced so many people and she's bringing us closer to Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. And we're in a time, of course, when so many people don't believe that. They think maybe that the Eucharist is a symbol or maybe holy bread or something else, but it's actually the body, blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. Little Nellie knew that, longed to receive him. And as we heard, would spend hours in Thanksgiving afterwards reminding us of the importance of you know adoring the Lord after we receive him. So will little Nellie be a saint? Well, let's pray that, that she will one day. Let's pray to her to intercede as well, that we all grow in our own uh, devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist. We can learn so much from this little girl who was only over four years of age when she died and also how she put up with the crosses that came her way in life as well and her just great, great love for um, the good, good Lord. So, dear friends, just to let you know as well, uh, the latest edition of Totus Tuus is now out and you can get this um, in your local church or also available to get delivered to your door at totustuus.ie. So the latest edition of Totus Tuus. So thanks for joining us for another show. We were really looking forward to this one because it's about little Nelly, who's very, very dear to our hearts. Hope, if you didn't know about her, hope she has touched your heart as well. Um, and if you enjoyed the show, please hit on the, the like button because it helps us to reach more people. Uh, YouTube will rate us higher, etc. And also click on the subscribe button to subscribe to Paving the Way Home for to be notified about this show and other great shows that are on Paving the Way Home channel as well. So thanks for listening. Till next time, God bless.